All right, welcome. If you are here in person, so good to be here together, celebrating, praising God, enjoying time with Him, and uh, celebrating with church family. If you're joining us online as well, so good for you to be here with us as well remotely. And thank you uh, for those who are even contributing online. So exciting to hear from people through. Uh, the power of technology, really. My name is Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at Christ Central Church, and it's my privilege to be preaching this morning. And as we've started a new autumn term, a new fall term, uh, I'm actually going to be starting into a new series. Uh, right now, it's kind of a, a mini-series. Um, now, if you are enjoying our series on Acts, the book of Acts, don't worry. We're still going to be looking at the book of Acts, and when Joe is preaching and when others are preaching, um, we're going to be still be in Acts. Uh, but really, I just felt coming into this fall that I wanted to get into uh, the first 14 verses of the book of Ephesians. So as you can tell, we're not going to be racing through it if we're going to do 14 verses between now and Christmas, unless they just tell me I'm only preaching once, in which case we've uh, settled in, we're here for a while. Um, but no, we're going to be looking over, the, over six weeks at the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. We're going to call the series Every Spiritual Blessing in Christ. It comes from verse 3 uh, of Ephesians 1, which we'll be looking at in more detail this morning. So a few helpful tips as we're going on in this. I would encourage us to have a Bible um, either or a Bible app uh, open in front of us so we can follow on. The words will also be appearing on the screen, but it's good to have the Bible in front of you as well. There might be a few cross-references. And it might also be a good idea if you want to take some notes. Now, that doesn't mean you have to write extensively everything that I say. But if God speaks to you, it might be really good for you to jot that down so that you can reflect on it later on. When we preach and uh, listen to preaching, it's not like listening to a TED Talk. It's not like listening to the TV uh, where it can kind of just wash over us a little. Actually, this is the Word of God speaking to us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can have our lives changed. And we're believing that lives are going to be changed even over these next few weeks as we preach into these uh, messages. We really want to see life-changing truth applied and lived out. And there's one more way, uh, well, there's a few ways that we can do that. Life groups are a great way to uh, discuss and apply and figure out how the Word of God is worked out in our lives. But also what we're going to do when I'm preaching over the next few weeks, apart from on Thanksgiving weekend, um, I'm going to be online on Zoom from 4 o'clock until 5 o'clock on the days that I preach these messages. So starting today, 4 o'clock through till 5 o'clock, and, and anyone can join, um, and there will be an opportunity to ask questions. We can discuss together. Don't worry, it's not going to be me preaching the whole message again. Um, it will be an opportunity for us to talk together, to seek to apply God's Word, and at the end, we can maybe pray into some of that. So if you get our weekly email, you will see the Zoom code in that. It's also up on the screen there right now. It's a different one than we usually use. That's going to be the Zoom code. Um, you don't have to come, but if you want to, I'll be there 4 o'clock today. All right. Let's read the first three verses of Ephesians and chapter 1, which says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. 
Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. All right, Paul starts off this letter. He introduces himself. That's the way things happened in the, the way they did letters uh, in the past. Slightly different to letters today, although emails do the same thing. I guess they say who sent it. It's quite helpful to do. Um, so you have the information. This is Paul, and he says he's an apostle. He knows who he is. He, he's going to say who he is. He's an apostle. The word apostle means sent one. And in fact, that's what Paul did. He was sent. He knew he was sent by God to go and start churches, plant churches, and strengthen believers. And so he traveled all around uh, the known world at the time. And we'll find as we continue through Acts, when we get to Acts chapter 19, we'll see how Paul ended up going to Ephesus. And they started the church. he started the church there in Ephesus. He was a sent one. He knew who he was in God. And we need to know who we are in God as well. We need to know who we are. This is what was even brought to us during the worship time today. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a Christian? I wonder what you would answer if someone asked you that question. It's vital that we know who we are because once we know who we are, once we know our identity, everything else works out through that. So once, lots of things can try and shape us in terms of thinking about our identity, but once we've settled on our identity, how we live tends to work its way through. And God is wanting us to know who we are in him. And we're going to see that in a moment. In verse 2, Paul says who he's writing to. He says, I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's writing to the Christians, the Christ followers living there. He wasn't just writing to the church leaders. He was writing to the whole church. And he wasn't writing to everyone in Ephesus. He wasn't writing to the city. He wasn't writing to those who didn't follow Jesus. In fact, much of the Bible isn't written to those uh, who don't follow Jesus. Obviously, we speak to those who don't follow Jesus. We would love people who don't currently follow Jesus to become Jesus followers. But most of what is written in the New Testament is written to the church. And it's meant to be applied by the church, God's holy ones. So if you are part of the church, whether you're regularly part of this church or another church, God is speaking to you through this letter this morning. What he's got to say is relevant to you. We're going to focus in today on verse 3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's that verse, that, those words, in Christ, that we're going to look at first. And then we'll uh, see, once we've understood what, what in Christ means, what every spiritual blessing is. And, that, and that's going to be longer than today. So first of all, what does Paul mean when he says we are in Christ? He uses this expression a lot. Not just here in the letter to Ephesians, although if you went through it and looked at it, you will see there's a lot of times he talks about being in Christ. He uses it as a lot in all of his letters, and it's key to our understanding. It's not of who we are. It's not just a throwaway comment. He's not just putting it in there as like a, a you know... Uh, the ums and ahs that we might put at the end of every sentence. He's not just saying, oh, in Christ and in Christ. He means something by this. 
And what he means is he's talking about our union with Christ, being joined to Christ, being connected to Christ. In fact, Jesus talked about a similar thing himself in John and chapter 15. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus is saying, look, you know, if you're following me, actually you need to be in me. You need to be connected to me. You need to be joined with me. And if you're not joined with me, it's pretty useless. You can't really do anything. Paul and Jesus are saying the same thing about being united and joined to Christ. So when people look at Jesus, this is kind of the astounding thing. When people look at Jesus, you are included in him. You're part of it. The church is part of it. We often talk about the church being the bride of Christ. And husband and wife become one flesh. They're joined together. So there's a uniting. Jesus isn't separate from the church. We're joined together. And so the way that God looks at Jesus, the way that God the Father looks at his son, is exactly the same way that he looks at us. It's exactly the same way that he regards us. Now, we might find this really difficult to get our heads around because we don't think of ourselves as being joined to anyone. We think of ourselves as, well, we're us, we're an individual. Um, we're not joined to anyone. You know, it can be a bit of an insult. Well, you know, if you're married, people might say, well, I'm not joined at the hip to him, you know. Um, <laughs> but actually, we are joined. We're joined. And... Um, before we were Christians, we were still joined. We were not in Christ, but we were actually, the Bible says we're in Adam. Uh, Romans chapter 5 talks about what that was like. We haven't got time to look at it. But basically, everything that was true of Adam, the first created man, uh, everything that was true of Adam was true for us. Everything that Adam had done, it was as though we had done. So Adam sinned. Adam and Eve ate the fruit of the tree from the Garden of Eden, sinned, and there was consequences for that. Adam sinned, but because we're in Adam, we are sinful, and we're connected to that sin. Adam faced the consequences of that sin, which was separation from God. They got cast out of the garden, and so the Bible tells us that we are separated from God because of sin. Adam was under the curse of death. God said, if you, if you eat the fruit, you know, the consequences are death is going to come into the world. You'll surely die. And death did come into the world. Adam and Eve did die. And so we in Adam are under the curse of death. Death is in the world. And so, and we're, and we're separated. And even before, and so everyone else who was born, even before the law came, because some people said, oh, well, surely, you know, people who were born before Moses brought the law and the Ten Commandments and all of that, surely they didn't sin, because how could they sin? Because there was no laws to break. Paul says in Romans 5 and chapter 14, he says, oh, no, 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 it's not about that. He says, death reigned from the time of Adam, to the time of Moses, even over those who didn't sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who's a pattern of the one to come. He's basically saying, look, you're in Adam, and it doesn't matter whether you've sinned or not. 
It doesn't matter whether you've gone against God or not. It's important for us to get hold of that. Because sometimes we, often we think about, oh, it's the sin that I've done. It's what I've done that is important. No, 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 it's who we are. We're connected to Adam and, and we're sinful. So it, it kind of understanding that stops us from going around judging other people in the world and saying, oh, well, they're a worse sinner than I am. No, 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 we're all in the same boat. We're all outside of Christ, we're all in Adam, we're all separated from God, we're all under the curse of death. But the good news is, Paul says, we have no longer, we're no longer in Adam. We're in a different location. We are in Christ. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, and again, Paul explains it in Romans 5 and into 6, we are in Christ. So now, instead of everything that Adam had done being true for us, now everything that Christ has done is true for us because we're in him. We're united with him. So Christ lived a perfect life. He was totally without sin, totally blameless. So if we're in Christ, that means we're totally blameless as well. We don't have to pay consequence for any sin. Paul's writing to the Ephesians and saying, you need to know your location has changed. You're located in Christ just as much as you are located in Ephesus. You see uh, what he says in, even in his greeting, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. They're both true. They're in Ephesus, they're in Christ Jesus. That's their location. And he explains later on in Ephesians 2 a bit more detail about how it happened. He says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at this time, craving, uh, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following their desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were very, by very nature deserving of wrath. He said, that's where you used to live. You used to be in Adam. Now, there were in Ephesus, they were with people all the time who might have been doing those things. But then he goes on and he says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming days he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He's like saying, you've moved. You've moved from being here to being here in Christ. Now, they're still in Ephesus. They're still in Ephesus. They're still around people who are doing all sorts of things, but their location in Christ, in God, has changed. And, and you can see how he's trying to get this point across because in every sentence, twice in a sentence sometimes, he keeps saying, with Christ, in Christ, you're in Christ, with Christ, united with Christ. He's getting this point across. They're in Christ. And that's true for us too. So where is Christ? He's seated in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. Well, that's where we are too. 
physically, we're here in Fredericton or wherever you're watching online, but spiritually, we are seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ. And you might say, well, well what's, all this, what's all this got to do with anything? How does it affect my life? This has got huge implications for our lives. Huge implications for our lives to get hold of this objective truth. Because we might say, do you know what? I don't really feel close to God right now. I don't really feel God's close. I don't really feel his presence. The truth is, you are as close to God as you can possibly be because you're in Christ. You're united with him. You're seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father. So it doesn't matter whether you feel close or not, you are close. That's the truth. You might say, well, well when I speak and when I pray to God, I'm not really sure he's going to hear me. I'm not really sure he's listening. But God the Father always listens to Jesus. He said that at the raising of Lazarus. He prayed out and then he thanked God and his prayer was, thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me. He was just saying it so that the people around would know that God the Father heard him. Well, if God the Father always hears Jesus' prayers and we are in Christ, he always hears our prayers. He does. He always hears our prayers. You might say, I don't really know whether God loves me or not. I don't really know what he thinks about me. But when Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened and a voice came down and said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. God the Father is well pleased with his son and we are hidden in Christ. So how does God the Father look at us? What does he think about us? He loves us. He's well pleased with us. That's true of you. And you might say to me, yeah, yeah, you say that. You say it's true of me, but Mark, you don't know the things that I have done. You don't know what I have done. And that's true. I don't know the things that you have done. I, do, I don't know what's going on in your life. But I don't need to know what you've done to be able to tell you the truth that God loves you. Because I only need to know what Christ has done. I only need to know what Jesus has done and how God sees him, because it's the same. It's the same. If I know what God thinks of Jesus, I know what God thinks of you. Now the devil, who is a liar by nature, will try to get us thinking differently about this. The devil will try to get us to think about ourselves and how, how much we qualify ourselves for God's love how much we have earned God's love, how much we deserve God's love by what we have done. And, and the devil will tell you that's the basis. That's the basis. You have to be acceptable enough for God. So he'll whisper lies to us. And he'll say, God can't love you. Just look at this thing that you've done. And he'll bring something to mind that we're really ashamed about. Just look at that. God can't love you because of that. He's the accuser. He loves to accuse. You just need to remember you are in Christ. So God sees you and deals with you the way he sees Jesus, the way he deals with his son. That's, we need to remember that. 
And, and you know what? The devil, he doesn't know everything. The devil doesn't know. God knows everything. The devil isn't equal to God. The devil doesn't know everything. So the devil might know something about your life and say, oh, remember this that you've done. But he doesn't know everything. And so we can turn it around on the devil. And we can say, do you know what? That's true. I did do those things. And you know what? It's even worse than you're telling me. I've done worse than that. And, and, and never mind, worse, done worse than that. I've thought worse than that. I've thought some horrendous things. You don't even know what I'm thinking. Devil. But you know what? None of that changes how much God loves me. Because it's not dependent on that. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter what I've thought. What matters is what Jesus did. And Jesus lived a perfect life. And Jesus was completely acceptable to the Father. And God loves Jesus. And I'm hidden in him. So I'm free. I don't need to listen to your accusations. I don't need to listen to your lies. Because it's not about what I have done. God loves me completely. You might worry about what's going to happen to you when you die. What's going to happen to me when I die? Well, our destiny is tied up with our location. So right now, many of us are here at 140 Clark Street. That is our current location. And you know what? Heaven forbid, if a bomb dropped on this building right now and destroyed it, we would be destroyed because our destiny is tied up with our location. Where we are, what happens to this building is going to happen to us. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. But if we're in Adam, our destiny is the same as Adam's. Our destiny is eternal separation from God. Our destiny is being cast out of God's presence. Our destiny is ultimate death. But if we're in Christ, our destiny is the same as Jesus's being loved forever by the Father, a resurrected eternal life in perfect loving relationship, an eternal hope and a future. That is what our destiny is. We have been relocated by the Father. Once we were in the dominion of darkness, but now we have been transferred into the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's so encouraging to know. All of those questions that we might have are dealt with by understanding who we are in Christ. And it changes the way we live our whole life. Because the way we live is determined by the ruler of where we live. And we've heard that in Adam, the ruler was Satan, the devil, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And all of the things that were going on, he was ruling that. But he's no longer our ruler anymore. We've got Jesus as our Lord. And so our ruler has changed. And it changes how we live our lives. I used to live in the UK, the United Kingdom. That's where I was born. And so whatever the ruler, the prime minister of the United Kingdom said, went for me. The prime minister would make declarations on behalf of the government. I would have to follow them. But then in 2014, I relocated to Canada. I'm not just visiting, as much as some of you might think I am. Uh, I live here now. I'm living in a new place. So now, whatever the Canadian government says is what goes for my life. 
Earlier this spring, uh, when some of our COVID restrictions were being relaxed a little, um, in the UK, things were actually tightening up. And they, were, they had a big outbreak. And so they said, look, we're really going to tighten up on this. We're going to have some strict restrictions, strict rules. People couldn't see anyone outside of their family. They couldn't even meet outside in the park. Um, there was laws against meeting someone and chatting outside on a walk. Um, all sorts of different re regulations and restrictions. That was the UK. Now, did I have to follow those restrictions and rules because I was born in the UK, because I used to live there? No. I'd relocated. I've relocated. I, I, I don't have to follow those anymore. So I still hear the British Prime Minister speak. I, I, I hear him on the news. I read what he's saying. I've got friends who are telling me what he's saying. And they're saying, oh, this is what we've got to do. And I'm going, I don't have to do that. Praise God. <laughs> I don't have to do that, because I've changed. I've relocated. Paul is saying, you used to live in Adam, and you followed the ways of the ruler of the world. You, f the air. you followed the ways of the devil. So you obeyed him, and you did whatever your flesh desired to do, whatever your body desired. But now, he says, you're in Christ, and you don't need to listen to him anymore. You don't need to follow what the devil says. You'll still hear him. He'll still shout things at you and accuse you and tempt you to do all sorts of things. But he has no authority over you any longer. No authority over you any longer. Because you have moved. You've changed location. We can face the enemy and all his accusations and temptations and his torts. And we can face him head on and say, in Christ Jesus, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to listen to you any longer. I am free from you. Praise God. Now, it's not always easy to do that because sometimes we don't feel like we have moved. The Ephesians were like, okay, well, I'm still in Ephesus and I've got all these people around me doing all sorts of things. It doesn't feel like I've moved from here to here. It doesn't feel like we've moved. When I moved to Canada, in many ways, I still lived the same way as I lived in the UK. So I still talked the same way. I still used the same words, the same language, uh, which is called English in both places, but actually is a million miles away um, from, <laughs> from what they are. People just didn't understand what I was saying. Maybe you still don't. I read the BBC News. I watched UK television. I watched UK sports. But the truth was I'd moved. I needed to realize I'd moved, start living as though I was in Canada because that's where I was. I remember Debbie and I, uh, in 2014, we were babysitting Anna Crummy. Uh, she was about four years old. And um, she said something to us that we didn't really understand. She just used this phrase, we didn't understand what it meant. And so we said, what do you mean by that? And she explained it. And, um, and Debbie said to her, oh, okay. She said, um, we, we don't say that in England. And Anna just looked straight at us and she said, um, well, you're not in England. You're in Fredericton now. <laughs> we went, oh. <laughs> hey, but that was an important lesson for us to learn. We weren't in England anymore. We were in Fredericton. So it doesn't matter what we did in England. 
because this is where we're living now. This is where we're located. And, and what Paul is saying is such an important lesson for us to learn. We're not in Adam anymore. We're in Christ now. We need to keep reminding ourselves of that truth. We're in Christ. We're no longer under condemnation. We're no longer under the sentence of death. We're seated at the right hand of the Father who loves us. He hears our prayers. He'll always love us. Nothing can separate us from him. We don't have to live the way we used to live because now we are holy. We live as citizens of the kingdom of God, joined to Christ. Engaging in our old ways, our old habits, it's not helpful, it's not necessary. We can be free from it. Our old ruler, the devil, has no power over us anymore. We've got to remember these things. So we don't go around just going, oh, yeah, messed up again. Of course we would. Of course I messed up again. I'm just a sinner. Look, we're not. We're not. The Bible doesn't say we're sinners. The Bible says we're saints. Paul's writing to the saints, to the holy ones in Ephesus. You don't think they're sitting there thinking, of course we never mess up. No. But this is who you are. This is who you are. We tell ourselves that we're saints because that's our identity in Christ. That's who we are. Christ is united with us. Christ is not a sinner. We are not sinners. And then very briefly, Paul reminds us in this verse that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He has blessed us. We, we don't even have to ask him to bless us anymore. He's blessed us already with every spiritual blessing. What does it even mean to bless us? What does it mean to bless us? Well, in Genesis 2 and verse 12, God speaks to Abraham and he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he means, Abraham, I'm going to favor you. I'm going to do you good. I'm going to move powerfully in your life. To be blessed by God is a powerful thing. But sometimes we use the word bless and we, and we kind of we kind of take its power away. We kind of just use it a bit more as a throwaway comment. If someone sneezes, we might say, oh, bless you. Now, if someone says bless you when we've sneezed, what are we really expecting to happen at that time? God to move in some powerful miracle in our life when they've said it? We kind of just go, oh, yeah, thanks. But actually to be blessed by God is a powerful thing. And Paul is saying God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing, everyone. We can't earn it. We don't have to earn it or ask for it. The Holy Spirit has already done it. So over the next few weeks when I'm preaching, we're going to be looking at what those blessings are. We don't have time to look at it today, but we'll be looking at what those blessings are in these first 14 verses. And we'll see that God has chosen and predestined us. These are all in these next few verses. You can look if you want. We'll, we'll look at his glorious grace, which he's lavished on us. We'll look at the wisdom and understanding by which he's made known to us the mystery of his will. We'll look at the word of truth by which he included us in Christ. And we'll look at the seal of the Holy Spirit, which he marked us with. Those are all in these first 14 verses. And the reason Paul's telling the Ephesians about this, and the reason we have it here as well, is because he's wanting the Ephesians to see it and understand it and to live it out. 
In verse 18, after he's, he hasn't even explained them all. He's just, he's just listed them off. And that's why we need to dig in a little bit deeper. After these 14 verses, he then, he then prays this prayer. And he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you'll know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. And he goes on and explains how great that power is. Basically what Paul's saying is, do you know what? This is all yours. All of these things are yours, but... I don't think you've seen it yet. I don't think you've understood it. I don't think you're living it out as though it was true. You haven't grasped it. You haven't yet applied it to your life. I'm praying that God opens your eyes to this truth. I don't know if you remember the story back in uh, 2 Kings in chapter 6 where Elisha, I think, is with, Elisha is with his servant and he sees the armies of the enemy, and they're surrounding the whole city. And Elisha's servants looks around at all these enemies surrounding, and he's fearful. And he says, oh no, what shall we do? What shall we do? And Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha's servants probably thinking, I don't see anyone with us. I see you. <laughs> I'm afraid. And Elisha prays, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. And God opens the eyes of the servant and he looks around and he sees the hills full of horses and chariots of fire. An angel army. And they were there. Those who are with us are far more than those who are with them. Yeah, but we can sometimes just see the enemy. But we've got an angel army that we can't see. God wants to open our eyes to, to the truth because so often we live as though we haven't seen it. We get into difficult situations in our life and we're, and we're responding like that servant. Oh no, what shall we do? And the answer is always the same as Elisha gave. Don't be afraid. We live as though God is reluctant to answer our prayers, that he's, we think he's not going to answer them. We think he's not going to give to us. But the truth is we couldn't be in a better place to enjoy the blessing of God and his favor. The God of angel armies is always by our side. We live as though the way that we feel is the truth. Increasingly in our society, that's what the society tells us. The way that we feel about something is the truth. It's our truth. And we've got to figure out our life based on how we feel. But the thing is, how we feel changes all the time, day by day, week by week, month by month. And we can focus our, in on our lives and, and, and on our history and our upbringing and hurt and damage that it may have caused us. We can spend hours introspectively looking at those things. And please hear me, I'm not, I'm not minimizing some of the uh, horrific things that have happened to some, some of us. Terrible, terrible situations, real pain in our lives. 
But the truth is, we're not going to find solutions by delving into ourselves, by looking at how we feel. We're going to find solutions by fixing our eyes on Jesus, by focusing on what he has done. Because it's in Christ and what he has done that will bring us healing and wholeness. That's where we'll find it, knowing who we are in him. If we look inwardly, there'll always be more to deal with, more to figure out. If our focus is on God, he's going to draw us and lead us to worship of him because we'll see more and more of who he is and what he's done. You know, Paul had a pretty rough life, didn't he? We, we don't know if he was married or not. Some people think he was maybe divorced. Who knows? But he, he, he probably struggled in that area. He was rejected everywhere he went. He went to city to city, town to town. He was rejected, so often tried to be killed. Sometimes by the church. Sometimes the church rejected him. People were with him. Yeah, we're with you on our mission, Paul. And then they left him. John Mark left him. And you think, man, man, he's got, maybe he's got some personal issue, you know, relationship issues he needs to sort out here. He needs to figure that out. He's not, really, he's not really very good to be around. He's got some issues. He got stoned. He got beaten. He got shipwrecked. Man, lots of PTSD to sort out there. He's going to need a lot of therapy. He didn't seem to need it. Because real as all those things were, and they were real, and they were painful. They are painful. We're not saying it's not painful. His focus was on God and who he was in Christ. He believed the truth. He believed who he was. He believed the blessings that had been poured out on him, and he was rejoicing and worshiping God for it. And so we need to understand all the blessings that God's poured out on us. And hopefully, over these next few weeks and months, we will do that. And we'll be able to shift our focus from saying life is difficult, which it is, it is, but we'll be able to shift our focus to glorifying God and worshiping him because of the truth of what he has done in our lives and who we are in him. Paul had to learn where to look. The Ephesians had to learn where to look, as did Elisha's servant, as do we. We had to have our eyes open, not just look at the enemy, look at who's with us. There's a line in the song that Angela often leads, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It's reminding ourselves of that truth. We might say, I, I can't do it, I'm fearful, it's not for me. Listen, if you're in Christ, there's no barrier. And if you're not in Christ, all you need to do to be in Christ is to submit your life to him and you will be relocated as well. It's as simple as that. You'll be new creation in Christ. But if we're in Christ, every blessing of the Spirit is already yours. We have to believe it. We have to live it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Why don't we stand together and pray? I'm just going to invite the band to come back up. We're just going to sing about the blessing of God. I'd just love to pray that prayer, really, over us that Paul prays in... Uh, Ephesians 1. So Father God, I thank you for what you've done and who we are in you. I thank you for the truth that you've relocated us, 
because of the death and resurrection of your son. And now, Lord, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people and your incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Lord God, will you do that? Will you be at work in us? Help us to live it out to the praise and glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship God.